What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, the 300th episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast feed. That is right, we've made it to 300 episodes, and Maddie D and I are back to talk about all things football. We break down the conference championship weekend in college football ahead of Sunday's final college football playoff rankings. We go through all the scenarios, all possible chaos, the chalk, everywhere in between, what can happen for all the conference championships. We preview all of them. We then dive into NFL Week 13. We make our picks. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. And like I mentioned, it is our 300th episode, so thank you so much for being there, for listening, for submitting your feedback. So seriously, let us know what you think of the episode. Let us know what you want to see in the next 300 episodes and more. But enjoy this week's episode. Have a great weekend watching the awesome football. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, the 300th episode in the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. That is right, number 300. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, and joining me, as always, for these football shows, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Matty D. How are you, my friend? I am much better now that we're talking. And I'm even better because we are, you asked for it, baby, and we got it. Oh, yeah. Mass, massive chaos in a scale possibly unseen previously. I'm sure it's not not a conference realignment necessarily. But, I mean, we are just, we are just so deep in this right now in college football. It has been a pleasure not only to watch the games, but, I mean, you talk about in the news feeds being dominated. It's pretty cool right now in my mind what college football is going through. Yeah, we are in a awesome point of college football right now. Really, if you've been living under a rock, you probably still heard all the different news. Matt, you alluded to it Saturday this past weekend, rivalry week, ended up being nuts. Michigan absolutely throttled Ohio State and is now ranked number two. Yes, sir. As they're going yes, into sir. the 10 championship game. Alabama almost lost and went to four overtimes. The two-point overtime rule came into play where you have to go where it's not even you have to go for two it's you're only doing two-point plays they get away from Auburn literally I went to the Sixers game last Saturday and the whole first half I was refreshing my phone trying to get the scores of this game it was fucking nuts but they're number three they're playing Georgia in the SEC championship game this was always going to happen even if Alabama had lost I kind of was hoping that Bama was going to lose to Auburn and then would come into this and potentially beat Georgia to see if the committee would really not include a two-loss team, which I think would have been crazy. That, yeah. Or, or, I mean, so you bring up a great point. Like, we talk about what-ifs for just a brief second here. To your point, what if Alabama had lost and beat Georgia? Because uh, you know, a one-loss non, non-champion Georgia, hmm, they're intriguing. Yeah. But – Georgia's getting in, yeah. no matter what, at this point. They've dominated well, I, teams I, I, so badly. I guess – so let me ask this question, though. What? So what is – honest question, what is Georgia's best win? Seriously. 
quality win. It's a good question. Because that is... Now, Clemson is re-ranked. So, I mean, they beat Clemson to start the year. It's way back, I know, but... I guess I, my I guess where I'm coming at and and I'll answer your question in a second because it it I guess is Clemson maybe Kentucky, but they're they've throttled teams that were supposed to be the next challenge like they've only let up more than 14 points once Tennessee a couple weeks ago on the road and like Tennessee was going nuts because they were all there by the way for the listeners we apologize we haven't been here for the last couple weeks basically the last month. Matt and I both super busy with work. I was away for work for a little while, and Matt was busy with managing people and all that good stuff. Then we were at my bachelor party. Then it was Thanksgiving. So now we're back. So a lot to catch up on. But anyway, Tennessee, yeah, they're going nuts in the first half, and then Georgia just pulls away. Their defense just completely suffocates teams that are supposed uh, to be these dude, quality they haven't. They haven't even given up 100 points total this year. Exactly. They've only so let up double-digit points right. four times. In their 12 the games. The most points scored was the 17 that Tennessee put up early. Correct. Right. I, yeah, but again, I think the hard part is, right, like, you know, they obviously they beat Arkansas, they beat Clemson, Auburn, you, you know, Kentucky. They're decent wins. I don't think any are blow your socks off. You know, Clemson at the time was really not playing well. They're obviously better now. Um, I'm, not dis- I'm not disagreeing. I'm just it – just, it's just intriguing. But go on, I cut you off. No, 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 no. And you're kind of getting around what I was getting after of – their defense has only allowed 83 points. Nuts. Their offense has scored 488, second in the SEC, only to Bama. I don't know. They've they've done what they needed to do and shown, at the very least, defensively, that they're one of, that they are clearly one of the best teams in the country. I personally think, and I've said this a thousand times on, on this show, that I think the conference champions should all get precedent to get in. And if you lose in the conference championship game basically make it a de facto first round for eight teams that kind of nonsense but this georgia team is that good that if they were to lose to alabama which we'll talk about that game that i think they'd still get in yeah we'll get there i, I think i would agree at this point especially yeah. because again you know uh, yeah yeah I, I i would agree but we'll get there i know we're going to talk yeah, more in depth yeah we'll, we'll jump into these games so we, we mentioned the big 10 championship game iowa ends up Sneaking into this one, they sneak by Nebraska on the day after Thanksgiving. Then all Wisconsin needed to do was beat Minnesota. They don't. So Iowa's in there. Michigan obviously throttles Ohio State. Then we get into the intriguing stuff. We have the AAC Championship. We've talked about this all season. Cincinnati completes the undefeated season 12-0, facing a Houston team that is 11-1, ranked 21st in the college football playoff rankings. It seems, for right now, that if Cincinnati wins, they're going to be in. But four hours prior to that kickoff, which is kind of nuts that it's kicking off at 12 o'clock because it's in Oklahoma, is the Big 12 championship game. It is, is it, or it might not be in Oklahoma. It might be neutral site. But regardless, it's in the, t- the central time zone, so it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Oklahoma State, Baylor. Baylor is now ranked ninth, which I feel like is some sort of puppet mastery to get a top 10 matchup for another championship game. But regardless, it would be a top 10 win for Oklahoma state who wins the bedlam game. They get in They're here. Now they're number five, Matt. If both teams take care of business Sunday, they're both favored. Does Cincinnati stay in or does Oklahoma state figure out a way to sneak their way into this college football playoff? I mean, I think this is one of the most challenge. Okay. Well, here's, here's the thing. Obviously we are under the assumption with this portion of the comp. Well, 
Or to the assumption that Alabama beats Georgia. Correct. Uh, that Georgia beats Alabama? No. Oh, you're so right. Wait, yeah, you're right. If Alabama beats Georgia, that's so when I think if it's chalk, there's no yeah. right. So then I because because if Alabama beats Georgia, I, I think both go. Yep. Um, and then I think it's really you know how does the committee va- this is important. Right. Like, if Al- got if a one Georgia loss beats Oklahoma. Alabama, both go. You mean? Ooh, uh, no, no. If, yeah, look, Georgia beats Alabama, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. I mean, they win. Them. To yeah. me, they're are both, both in. in. Right. Yeah, Notre yeah. Dame doesn't have the gas. They can't. They cannot pass Cincinnati. So they're out, right? Now, if Oklahoma State were to lose, I think Notre Dame then has an opportunity to jump up yeah. um, because everybody else has the two losses, right? So that's they're, they're something in play there. But I, uh, I'm i so torn. I, I don't know what the committee will do here because I, I know, you know, Baylor at nine, maybe they're 10. But honestly, they're a pretty good team. They, they actually got jumped by Ole Miss. Who, who, who flipped them, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess the question is, like, is this if, – if Cincinnati can beat Houston, who's a really good team, that's a quality win on their belt. Correct. Uh, Oklahoma State's best win is, is Oklahoma in a rivalry game. It's a great win. But, man, all of a sudden Cincinnati's beaten a couple ranked teams in the AAC, and Notre their Dame. quality win at South Bend is, to me, the lo- – that's the difference maker. So yeah. – Tough to say, but personally, I would leave Cincinnati in over Oklahoma State undefeated, high-quality wins against Houston, um, Notre Dame. They've beaten a really good SMU team. Memphis is always a challenge. There's a, a couple of other teams within the AAC that I think are, are good football teams. So I would still give the edge to um, to Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, They've done enough in my mind at this point. I would agree with you, I think. Beating Houston, who, if this is a Power 5 conference, is probably ranked higher. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same, th- same thing with Baylor. Baylor's high. And granted, like, looking at where the other teams are in the rankings, like, maybe it's it's plausible to say they're ninth. You, you can say something about Michigan State. They barely got by Penn State, so that's why they drop. Or they're at 11. BYU beats USC and, and hanging out there in, in 12. Iowa... Maybe should be higher, but kind of a weird Big Twelve or Big Ten West. You know the the reputation there, and then you're getting into the the a, the ACC championship game between fifteen sixteen and all that stuff, and then you're starting to get into three lost teams. San Diego State, you know, maybe got screwed in terms of where they where they should be ranked, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and then UTSA no longer ranked, which is a huge bummer. But yeah, coming back on tough, to tough loss for them, but yeah, go ahead. Coming back onto this debate of. If Alabama beats Georgia, Bama, Georgia, both in Michigan, assuming they take care of business, they would be in. I would agree. Cincinnati should be in. Their offense is so much fun to watch. It's absolutely electric. And they've held on to some pretty good offensive teams on their defensive side of the ball. They force turnovers. They, you know, maybe you want to say what you will about not being, you know, being a group of five team and facing power five offenses. It'll be really intriguing if it's well, Georgia Cincinnati might be not that intriguing, but if it ends up being, you know, Cincinnati Michigan, or if Cincinnati ends up being the fourth seed, which would kind of suck if Oklahoma jumped them to three, assuming Georgia beats Alabama, uh, and then it's Oklahoma State Michigan, and then Cincinnati Georgia. That's where the debate, I guess, also comes into play of assuming Georgia and Michigan win, should Cincinnati play Michigan or should they play Georgia? What do they want to do? 
And then the you know, then the, the conspiracy theories happen because an SEC team gets the quote unquote easier team. Although either game would be very interesting for Georgia, and we can talk about that in a week, in two weeks, whenever we want to, when we get to the actual playoff games. But I would agree, Cincinnati should be there. Oklahoma State, I guess the the knock you can throw at them is their defense is a little suspect and has like in Yes, the Bedlam game is a noted rivalry. It's a tough game, but they still let up a lot of points, and I think that's what you're what you'd be afraid of if you're a Big Twelve or a Oklahoma State fan. Is that really like they turned it on a little bit at the end of the season, where you know they really took care of business against Kansas, against West Virginia, really against TCU. They shut out Texas Tech, and then the Bedlam game got a little nuts. But to your point of what was a quality win, what wasn't. I don't know. They, they still played like a Texas team to a one possession game. They obviously the Bedlam game was awesome. They lost to Iowa state, a team that had all sorts of high hopes going into the year and they finished seven and five. So it, it becomes a really interesting question for the Cowboys here of where they should be ranked. If assuming Michigan and, and Georgia get it done, I'd still say to the same point that we've been saying for the last five minutes, Cincinnati three, Oklahoma State four, despite what any sort of conventional wisdom would say about group of five versus power five. Yeah, I, I still think I'm with you. Um, maybe it's a little biased because Oklahoma State wasn't ranked coming into the year. I mean, does that maybe. affect our yeah. thought process? Normally, it's the other way around. It's the it's the non-power five team who runs the table comes in on rank. But we knew since today had been good previously, this is just a kind of a, a culmination of everything they've done. Um, so that, I mean, that's just another another interesting kind of counter argument, if you will, yeah. to this entire conversation. So there, it, there's a, certainly, to your point, there's certainly a lot of layers to everything here, um, you know, as well. Yeah, but, it, it's the the old Joker uh, metaphor I use from The Dark Knight, where he can't kill him, he needs him, that kind of thing. Of now, you're really trying to connect the dots between like different wins, who played whom, and all this sort of stuff. And we kind of got it with a full schedule this year, but like. The Big 12 always plays these weird schedules where they play other teams that are, you know, in the Midwest and the Great Plains and all that stuff where, like, you can't totally compare apples to apples here. I guess Tulsa is one connector, an AAC team, that they only beat by five points. So I guess there's, like, a real, real, uh, you know, nail in the coffin, I guess, or a real notch in the belt for the argument. But I don't know. It'll be, yeah. it'll be really interesting to see because they start off the season – they barely beat an FCS team by a touchdown, Missouri State. They beat Tulsa by five, Boise State by one point, and then they played Baylor earlier in the season. They only they won by ten points, twenty four fourteen, at home in uh, in Stillwater. And yeah, you know, then they got into the Big Twelve schedule, and we mentioned it. They turned it on the last month, but I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see this game if. And I guess this transitioned us into the other news of college football. If one of them were to falter, how nuts would it be, given all the news surrounding Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, if Notre Dame somehow fell backwards into the college football playoff amidst their coach texting the team at 1230 to call 730 in the morning meeting to say that he's going to LSU when it got reported on the news, the team wasn't even informed. How in like I kind of want to see that happen because it would just be the most ridiculous story. 
maybe that I've seen in college football over all the years I've been watching it. Well, not only would it be amazing, it would be it would be a negative, or really to me, a big negative to to Brian Kelly to say, you know, he's claiming I'm leaving because I want to win. If his team ends up in the college football playoff, LSU obviously, I know they've got three national titles under the last three head coaches. So I'm not discrediting that, but LSU, he, I'm going there to win, and all of a sudden your team's in in the in the dance. I mean, that's that's a tough look for him. Yeah, I don't know. Could that affect his his standing with his current team i'm not sure i don't think it does but you never know i i think that's wild though i, I totally agree it's such a weird time to leave you know you, you see you know this is and they're not even they don't even have the names kyle Williams, great safety but they don't even have some of the names that we've come to know from a quarterback perspective or a bat running back or, a or it's not a lincoln receiver. riley getting it he, taking his recruits with him right it's kind of a low i mean this but this is a really good notre dame team that is kind of nameless in a way. Oh, you're so talking back about the current roster. Me, I thought you were just talking about recruits. The, yeah, yeah, the current no, Notre no, Dame no, roster. No, 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 I mean, right. And so he's taken a current no-name roster, played a couple teams. They haven't had the strongest strength of schedule, but they, but again, they've played some teams. And he's taken them all the way to this to this record. And and, and if the chips fall, luckily, he, he gets a spot. Kind of a weird time, I would agree. I, I was more shocked. I was almost more shocked with his than I was – with Lincoln Riley. Yeah, we talked about Lincoln Riley, you and I offline, of, of that whole thing. And that, that's the other news. Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. I made the point to Matt of your school is about to go to the SEC at some point in the next few years. Why would you go from a job that you've made the college football playoff, you've been incredibly successful, you won the, the conference the first four years you were there, and your point was Pac-12 is down, you're a good recruiter, and he took the top quarterback recruit that he had coming to Oklahoma with him to USC. And, you know, it does make more sense the more I've marinated on it. This Brian Kelly deal, though, and I guess, like, to go into that same logic that I used before with, with Lincoln Riley, like, he's going to the SEC, the SEC's top quality, there's all the different shit with the Alliance, which I, I've been watching a lot of college basketball, as one does at this point of the year. And last night, watching the Duke-Ohio State game, there were 5,000 commercials for the Alliance. It is, they're trying <laughs> to stuff this thing down our throat, and we still don't know what the fuck it is. But regardless, right. you're going to, to an SEC school if you're Brian Kelly, versus like Notre Dame, you get some flexible scheduling, but because of the weird um, ACC deal that you have, you do have some games that are completely out of your control, so you don't get like, the traditional Notre Dame schedule, you still play USC, you still play Georgia Tech, you still play uh, Stanford, you don't play Michigan anymore, you don't play you know your pits anymore, a lot of those Big Ten teams you used to play Michigan State, all that stuff. So I don't know, maybe that got, maybe that weighed on him and, and he got kind of sick of not being able to do that, maybe, I don't know, but yeah, if they get in, and you're right, with this kind of no-name team where they really just... They took care of this, it's the old Clemson defense. They took care of the schedule they had when they really had no control of how weak it was. I don't know. It, it is a not a good look. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty crazy to see what ends up happening. If you're James Franklin, who just signed a mega ticket at Penn State, are you looking at that, kind of seeing both Oklahoma and Notre Dame open? And wondering, like, shit, could I have gotten a, a more high-profile job? Although Penn State is a very high-profile job to begin with. 
although it's, it's just been a very turbulent up and down relationship with the we are fan base it's all pretty insane and it's only going to get more nuts because oklahoma and notre dame are now open jobs we have urban meyer with all the shit he's gone through throughout this whole first year in jacksonville saying he's committed to the jaguars all this different shit it's i believe gonna, that yeah. i believe that when the other two job openings are filled oh yeah exactly it's gonna be blunt man yeah, yeah. well he said the same thing when he was on gonna, tv yeah. before he went to ohio state he's like no i'm not interested my heart hurts my heart hurts and he went to ohio yeah. state and yeah so yeah, I, uh, it's yeah. the between that and then whenever coaches start getting fired in the nfl which might not happen for a while with it being an 18 game schedule and the fact that so many teams, especially in the NFC, are still very much in the playoff mix, we may not get NFL firings for a little bit. So, like, the Notre Dame job might stay open for a little bit. Oklahoma might stay open for a little bit. It's going to be really interesting, and you're the bigger coaching carousel guy. So am I wrong to think that because the NFL's parity is so good where you typically see defensive coordinators get fired, offensive coordinators get fired, head coaches get fired when teams suck. The fact that so many teams are still in it in the NFL – is that going to delay the college side of things? I think it's a valid question. I guess, though. It, I mean, think about the rumors that, hey, the Sooners are already going after Cliff Kingsbury. He's in a great situation in Arizona. Yeah. But sometimes, can, can I poach a college a, a college to NFL co- coach, college coach that went to the NFL that maybe, maybe they're what playing Michigan well or did. not? Right. Well, yeah, but it wasn't midseason. And, and at the time... It was like within 12 hours of the 49ers last game, though, that they announced him as the head coach. Yeah, and the 49ers were actually pretty good. Yeah, they um, weren't bad. It was just like the he's running pros into the ground narrative shit that you always hear about college coaches. Right, right. I mean, you know, so that I, that would be the one thing that I would find intriguing is if a college coach left. I mean, a pro coach left for a college job midseason for a good team. Like if to me, if Kingsbury leaves, I think that's that's a telling that hey, coaches aren't necessarily sold on the NFL. Many many go, you know, but the money isn't necessarily. It's definitely not better now. No, maybe you get bigger, longer deals in college. So, um, huh? Although you're the top, you're the top seed in the NFC right now. I don't know why you, why you would try to. No, leave I know, but yeah. yeah, but no, I man, I could imagine. I I think Notre Dame has a really good candidate in house. I think they should stick with. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Maybe maybe they can get a big name to come, and that that would be – that's, I think, their one shot. And I think, to me, they've got to find that, that big-name coach. Whoever that is, I don't know. Um, Notre Dame is a brand, but at the same time, it's – I mean, you hear about this. It's not in a great location, right, compared to a lot of these college recruits. They want to go, hey, I can go somewhere warm. Yep. Um, you know, I can go somewhere that's not as restrictive academically. Um, I can go somebody that plays in a conference that gives me that exposure, which, you know, is, is a big deal. So I, I'm interested to see how that one pans out. I, I think Oklahoma to me is a way more enticing job, even with them going to the sec and with them losing most likely a lot of recruits to their former coach. I still think it's a very intriguing job, but man, I, I, oof, I it's, uh, and that's why I think they're, I think they're going star hunting, where, where I think Notre Dame might be better off staying in house. Yeah, but I guess probably the best way I can describe it. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to look at it. And I think you're right. I think well, them moving to the SEC, the, you just made the point. You're going to a conference that has its own network. 
that is known whenever any SEC team gets a high ranking, they get a good bowl game, they get into the college football playoff, they get whatever, it's always, well, it's the SEC, they're getting the bias and all that stuff. And even if Oklahoma like takes a couple years to meld in, and this isn't going to be the Missouri move where Missouri kind of just did it and they're there. It's going to be more like Texas A&M, but right. maybe a little quicker because it's Oklahoma. Texas, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen to them. They're probably going to be more like Missouri when they first moved in. Yeah. But I think Oklahoma's going to be fine, and they're going to be good in a lot of sports too. They're going to not just football, but they're going to bring they bring a lot of basketball talent, a lot of different women's sports they're very good at. Softball is the first one that pops in my head, but I'm sure they're a good soccer program because most of those Big 12 programs are. So, I, you know, it's a very good fit in that regard. And it, they have boosters. They have a lot of money, to your point. College football, you're seeing the tickets these guys are signing. James Franklin's deal is insane. And this is a guy that, like, every other year there's rumors the guy's going to get fired after they lose to insert Big Ten East team. And he just got paid a gajillion dollars. So think about Big 12 money. <laughs> yeah, I um. And we'll see if, if one of them can pull another number. Like, does this carousel continue to move? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, does, does a name that we don't expect go, and then that cha- and that move, you know, and so, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. So, let's look at the slate. We started to preview a couple of these games. This weekend's going to be awesome. I'm already very excited for it. We get... The Pac-12 championship on Friday, we didn't mention it. You get Oregon versus Utah. Oregon, who really just fell apart. We saw them lose to Utah a few weeks ago. They are Oregon is a dog. Utah is favored by two and a half points. This game is should be in, intriguing, but I really don't think it has any sort of serious playoff implications. I guess the last playoff talk, Georgia beats Bama. Iowa beats Michigan, Baylor beats Oklahoma State, and Houston beats Cincinnati. Complete chaos. And I don't know, do we just leave it as is? I don't know. Or do we somehow sneak in Ohio State and Bama still gets in? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that. Like, if, So, again, if that's the chaos, I, I still think I, Baylor has a legitimate shot. I, I think they might go, hey, let, who, who won the conference, right? Yeah. So, Georgia wins, they're in. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. They get it. Iowa could make a jump that high that quickly to theoretically get there. Um, but to your point, I mean, no, I, I don't know if Oregon has any chance because, you know, I'm thinking Notre Dame, you know, you know, there's yeah, going to be a Notre number of teams. In. Yeah, yeah that, that would have the opportunity. You know, I do think it's tough outside of Notre Dame. And I know you know that I'm not a lover of, of Notre Dame. Outside of Notre Dame, who doesn't have – never had an opportunity – because of their, they're not in a conference to play this weekend. If you're a team that's not playing this weekend, I, I still can struggle at times to put you into this over a two-loss team like Iowa. Yeah. Who, who is it? In I, theory, so, wins their conference, yeah. Right, so I'm circling an old Miss or a – or even an Ohio State, right? Like, hey, I know you're a two-loss team, but the two-loss team just beat a, high, a top four college football te- playoff team. To, to win their, their conference should they not get in kind of thing. I guess that's where well, I look at it. That was the Penn State 2016 Ohio State thing. Was Ohio State was idle. Their only loss was to Penn State, but they didn't get into the 
Big Ten Championship because Penn State beat them. And then Penn State beats Wisconsin, and all Wisconsin needed to do was win and get in. So Penn State, a two-loss team, is on the outside looking in, and idle Ohio State gets in. And then it happened to Ohio State the next year, where they were a two-loss Big right. Ten champion, and Alabama was idle, and Alabama got into the college football playoff. And it was the first time we had two teams from one conference. There's the That's the two uh, Devontae Smith-Georgia-Bama right. championship game. So it's really interesting. I mean... It's almost, it's funny, like, it always becomes a topic with the Big 12, because remember, they used to not have a championship game, and they had to, like, and beg and they plead. corrected that. Yeah, they, they have it, but now, like, a couple times, a Big 12 team, the one, the presumptive, they win, they get in, ends up losing. Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Do we need, uh, before we jump into that, anything else in the Pac-12 championship game? I mean, it really, I don't think it has that. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a great option. I think it's a great opportunity for Utah. They've been flying under the radar for quite a while. I think yeah. they're pretty fan. I think they're one of the, the, the stronger underrated programs. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm rooting for them. I think they deserve an opportunity to, to go to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. And this, this is their chance. Yeah, that's, I mean, that definitely is what it would be. If you win, you get in. Actually, I don't even know. What, the, what are the playoff bowls this year? Is the Rose Bowl one of them? Mm, I read this somewhere. I have to double yeah, check. I'm gonna look this before up. I make an answer. But yeah, they they would get in as a conference champion. It would be interesting because they if they lose, they'd obviously have four losses. But they'd probably maybe not a New Year's six, but right around the the Capital One uh, Bowl week, whatever the fuck the ones between Christmas and New Year's are, where where you start really getting the Power Fives. I feel like they'd get into that because they are a quality team. That's at least the one nice thing about the bowl games is that yeah, it's supposed to be the ranking of where they are, but it's what the conferences choose. So they could try to move Utah into a good spot there. Yeah, and I think they should. I mean, it would be a great win for them. And, and and to beat, by the way, to beat the same team twice, it's tough. Oh, it's very but tough. they beat Oregon once, to do it again is, yeah, is, is going to be a challenge. Yeah. yeah but no, I, I, again, I, I think, and you know what, good for them doing it on Friday, so it's kind of by itself. Yeah, it always has been. I remember a couple years ago where it was Sam Darnold's senior year at USC. They were a two-loss team, and they, like, I just remember Sam Darnold being at the podium with a deadpan face saying, we deserve to be we deserve to be a playoff team. And there was, like, two undefeated teams. There was, like, a couple one-loss teams that definitely were going to get in. It's like, dude, come on. Like, you're not getting into yeah. this fucking thing. Um, let's see here. College football playoff. We have... It's the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. So, Pac-12 champion would go to the Rose Bowl. Big Ten champion that's not in the college football playoffs. So, if Michigan wins, would it, I think it would be Iowa as the runner-up would go in, right? Ohio State would not get in to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. It'd probably I, be in at large. Be, I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then same thing with the Sugar Bowl. It would be if Bama's not in, they'd go to the Sugar Bowl, assuming they lose to Georgia. And then I don't know what happens if both Bama and Georgia go. Maybe the SEC just picks a team. Or no, the, the committee would pick it because they pick all all uh, the teams for it, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be a really – I think Ole Miss would make a lot of sense there. They're, they're yeah. kind of a fun team to watch, so I think you'd see Ole Miss get the nod there pretty quick if what both Bama and Georgia make it. So what is the rule – for because there's all obviously the the group of five rule for the for the bowl games for for those that don't know if you're i believe it's top 15 in a group of five team you get an automatic bid 
So if Cincinnati gets in, does BYU get that, or is the bid gone? Hmm. I hope BYU would get it. Yeah, I would hope so, cool. too. Oh, wait a second. Uh, BYU's an independent. Yeah. Oh, does that not count as a – I don't oh, think that right. I don't yeah, think that counts. Five. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So that's, I think, like, uh, I, that's the weird Notre Dame yeah. rule, where Notre Dame's the only right. team specifically named in that. Yeah, so who knows? There's no other team in the top 15 that's group of five, at least right now. So, like, so they would lose it. Yeah. yeah. And no no way – no one's going to jump um, because they're not playing. Maybe so, San Diego State yeah, no, would get in to sneak in there somehow. Maybe. Like you have – like presumably maybe. Iowa loses. Well, Pitt, I was going to say, Force yeah, loses, Iowa. Utah loses. Maybe they sneak their way in. Maybe you're right. That's a good yeah. point. And they would deserve it. So I would, I would hope so. That would yeah. work for me. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. And then probably, I mean, you'd have the – Baylor probably gets one of those New Year's Six Bowl bids. Uh, I get – well, the Pitt-Wake Forest winner has to get a bid to the to – the, for the ACC bid, which I guess they're technically I, I, I actually, isn't one because the Orange yeah. Bowl is a playoff game. So no, they, yeah, but no, they, they'll, they'll, no, they'll slot them. I actually – I hope it's – well, we're, I know we're going to – let's jump to that game real quick. I I think it's an interesting game. Obviously, it's not the, the normal powerhouses you're used to seeing. Clemson, essentially. Florida State, obviously, down. Miami, down. Um, North Carolina came with high hopes. They they did not. No, they were bad. <laughs> no, no, yeah. No. That's why I stopped halfway through. I just felt bad even bringing them up. But, I, you know, I do think I would I would love to see Pitt win because they have the great quarterback right Kenny, now in K. Pickett. Pickett. I'd love to see him. Yeah, I'd love to see him up against a really good defense. So – Part of me is rooting for Pitt in that game. Wake Forest has been a great story. It's really cool to see the Demon Deacons have success. But, boy, love to see Pickett. I mean, what a great professional showcase that moment would be. So, you know, to see him go up against a, a, a good team, whether it's in a shootout or against a great defense. Do we get Howie Roseman in the scouting booth again, like we oh, did God, when they played North Carolina? I hope we get Howie Roseman fired, but you know, <laughs> beggars beggars can't be choosers, Jordy. So yeah. we're gonna take it one step at a time. Wake Forest, though, quickly on them. You mentioned that they they've had a really great season. They've sneakily had a couple good seasons under the last few years, and yeah, you know, job. obviously with Clemson being so good, they've just never really been able to to show it off. But they, you know, good for them. Really taking care of it. Their offense has always been pretty dynamic. Usually a pretty good over machine. And yeah, now with Clemson down, they're able to to jump their way into the into the rankings, and you know it's great on them. They're two of the best offenses numbers wise in both Probably the ACC and in the country. So yeah, this mm-hmm. it should be a fun game regardless. You know, obviously it's going against a, a few other games, most notably the Big Ten Championship. So maybe flip that on at halftime of the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. See what see what's going Commercial on. Commercial halftime. Yeah. Yeah, tape it, watch it later, something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we we jumped a couple games here. Big 12 championship game, Baylor, number nine, versus Oklahoma State. This game at noon, which is kind of weird. Uh, it is in Dallas. I was wrong. It's a neutral site game. But still, Dallas is on central time. 11 a.m. kickoff. This is a game that I think comes down to who's scoring last. And I know that's kind of a weird take to or kind of a basic take to say but i feel like both of these teams collect yards and collect touchdowns so rapidly that maybe you got to force a couple turnovers here and there if you're really oklahoma state their their defense forces turnovers at a little bit higher of a clip 
But I think whoever has the ball last is is going to be the winner of this game. Five and a half is an interesting line. I think it's probably going to be pretty close. That or Oklahoma State just comes out of the gates firing and blows them out. But Baylor, we mentioned it, has had an, an interesting season. I just worry that their defense may buckle against Oklahoma State, but I still kind of like this one to be close. I mean, I could see it being close. Oklahoma State just won a really emotional game. This worries me about Michigan. I'm going to get to them, but – yeah. Won a really emotional game against a rival that historically has, has really hasn't really been a rivalry. It's been a long time. And to your point, I mean their defense has a couple playmakers, so I'm not discrediting that, but you know, this isn't necessarily an all world, you know, Oklahoma State offense. Sanders is a great I mean, they've got some good players like the quarterback, Sanders, but I could see this one being I, like, I think I agree with that. I think this is one of the more intriguing in terms of just pure matchup games outside of probably the SEC that really excites me to watch because it is going to be a fun, probably high-scoring shootout, which, I mean, what else would you expect from a Big 12 championship game? So yeah, exactly. it fits the mold well. Yeah, yeah the over for that game set it, set it 46 and a half. I think they're Oof. expecting uh, – that's like an NFL over line. That – uh. Feels kind of like a rat line to try to bet the over, but might have to do it, Maddie. I don't know. Maybe they're trying wondering. To tempt you. They're trying to tempt you. Yeah, they're trying to. Maybe maybe they're wondering that uh that the usual seventy point Big Twelve line that maybe they're wondering about uh turnovers or something like that. I don't know. Well, team teams tighten up a little bit in these yeah. championship games as well. Um, yeah, we'll see. But so that starts the day. We get also the MAC championship at the same time. Uh, which we don't need to talk about. We get the, I believe it's the the Mountain West, where San Diego State, they're ranked. We were talking about them. Possibility for them. You get the Sun Belt. Then we get to the SEC. Number one versus number three, Georgia versus Bama. This was locked in before, before the Iron Bowl. So Bama beating Auburn, losing Auburn, didn't really matter. They still won. They're still number three. Georgia is a six and a half point favorite. Let's start with Bama, though, because Bryce Young had not really his best game in that Iron Bowl game. Do we expect that to turn around, or does Georgia's defense, which does what Auburn was able to do very well and what Texas A&M did incredibly well when they beat Alabama, what was that, a month and a half ago, do they make Bryce Young's Heisman hopes evaporate? I, you know, you want to say yes. I, I almost think if I'm Kirby Smart in Georgia, I'm, I'm saying really wish Bama had smoked Auburn. Because now Bama's, you know, their players are going into this week going, boy, we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're telling everyone that we should be, you know, so highly ranked and, and we're not. You know, I, I wonder, does Bama – does Bama like? Does Nick Saban snap his guys out of it? This is a team that's just had so much success year over year. Is this the chance for them to? Hey, you know what? We're, we don't have the same talent we had last year, the year before. And um, you know, I know Bryce is good, but we need some other receivers to step up. So I think it. Like my opinion, I, I think the worst thing that could have happened to Georgia was Bama struggling against Auburn because now you know this week they're they were going to be locked in, but now they're extra focused. Hey, we can't work. Gonna get they they played like that against Georgia they'd be embarrassed like it would be oh, yeah. one of Nick Saban's worst worst losses so um, I think it's close 
I think Georgia wins. But the one thing we haven't seen from Georgia because their defense is so dominant, and they are, they really are. What if this game is close or what if it's a little bit high scoring? Georgia's offense just simply hasn't been tested. They've been running a two quarterback system there and not in a traditional sense with a running scrambling and a pocket passer, two guys that are relatively similarly built. I, all we've heard is defense, defense, defense. We haven't seen their offense really have to make any plays. Does that, does that negatively affect Georgia in this game? Um, I'm not saying it does either way, but, but I do think it's a fascinating look. You know, if, if Georgia needs to make a drive late in the game, like to be blunt, can they, I don't know. I don't have an answer. We haven't, they haven't had to do it. Most of the time I like a team that's had to have one comeback victory during the year. That's a fair point. And yeah, I think obviously the two quarterback system, we don't know who the killer is, right? Who wants the ball? You hear so much in basketball, just stealing it right from that sport. But like, who is the guy that you're handing the ball to that you want taking the last second, the proverbial last second jumper, throwing the ball for the last minute. Be really interesting. Hilariously, this game's over-under is three points higher than the Big 12s. <laughs> the SEC, <laughs> What's, the 49 and a half. Again, uh, and, and this is a – by the way, if, like, Georgia hasn't – they've given up 83 points total this year, which yeah. is just a magical number. Right. Uh, whew. Yeah, Boy. so – I mean, it's a Titanic should have – it's the game of the weekend. It it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think both I think both offenses are humming. I think you're right. I think this is a closer game. I don't think it's a who has the ball last. I think it's Bama maybe makes a late charge to try to make this closer. Georgia maybe punches them in the mouth, catches them off guard, maybe comes out in the third quarter a little fast. And then Bama in the fourth quarter, just like last week, puts some stuff together, tightens the defense up, and I think the the two quarterback points are really good point you make because the Bama defense is, you know, they did a good job of containing a couple different quarterbacks. Obviously last week at Auburn, they did a very good job with that. And yeah, I don't know. It's this screams like a 24, 20 final score where Georgia wins. Maybe there's like a missed two point conversion or something. And, yeah. you know, and then there's like a some weird happens, but it, it's going to be a great game. And it's obviously the game of the week. You know, we it's, obviously it's, there's, there's some personal bias that goes towards the big 10 championship game with Michigan playing, but this is the game we've all been waiting for, for this whole season. And it's the, you know, the one I do want to see. I, I do want to make sure like the comments I made about Georgia's offense, they're not, they're not, it, it, it's an opinion. They're not, they're not completely unfounded. So their leading rusher, Zamir White, who's a pretty good running back. You have James Cook. White didn't, neither are a thousand yard rushers. Um, their leading receiver is a tight end. Uh, Stenson Bennett, who's been starting with JT Daniels, dealing with some injuries, has only thrown for 1,900 yards. Um, they're ranked 60th in the passing, passing game, 26th in the in rushing yards now points four is 14th with 40 they average 40 a game part of that is this defense get averages 6.9 points against yeah 
But I, I throw those stats at you because I just think it's important. I'm, I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm not saying they don't have a good enough offense. But statistically speaking, their offense simply hasn't been hasn't been statistically dominant as opposed to their defense, which has a, a allowed the offense to essentially put it on cruise control for a lot of their games, which is a good thing. But again, ball ball and Stenson Bennett or JT Daniels hands late in the game. I don't know how they'll perform. I, I can't say, I can't say I'm confident in either of those quarterbacks more, more confident than I, than I am in a Bryce young with bonafide weapons, Robert Mechie, Jameson um, Williams. There's a couple guys there. Yeah, Brian Robinson, the running I'm back. I'm about to say, I think the running weapons. back showdown ends up being the difference maker of who is moving and, the and ball can, between the sticks. Can, who is can Alabama or, run the ball? Yep. Yes. Can they run the ball on Jordan Davis, the nose tackle for Georgia, who in my mind is a top three Heisman candidate trophy, along with really to me at this point, Bryce Young is. I, I'm going to be honest, and I I know we weren't even talking about Heisman, and I know we'll talk about it after these. But the only offensive player that I think should be invited is Bryce Young. Yeah, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud, I guess maybe you consider him. But other quarterbacks have dropped off. They've been in and out of the lineup. Other running backs, we haven't necessarily had that superstar guy. You've got, you've got Davis, um, Anderson would you, from Alabama. Would you Alabama. not try to sneak in Kenny Pickett? Uh, yeah, but it's hard. He plays for Pitt. And he's Dan had Marino decent statistics. Pitt. But it's not like he's. I know. I'm. I'm being. I'm fucking with you. He. He would be. No. For, I mean. No. 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 I'm not he's saying a good Pickett prospect. shouldn't get votes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess the question, like, you know, uh, yeah. But honestly, I'd. I'd love to see defenders. I'd love to see Aiden Hutchinson there. You know, these are guys that if Jordan Davis, the nose tackle, goes out and completely dominates Alabama, I think he should win the Heisman, which would be a tremendous feat for a pure nose tackle. We're That'd talking. Right, we're not talking to Norm. We're not talking to Dominican Sue, who was a dominant force for Nebraska. Go watch those highlights if you want to see how a defensive tackle should play. Relentless, but he, but but Davis is different. He he penetrates, but he's a mammoth man. I mean, he. This is like my oh, one of my favorites, Hayoli uh, Nada. Remember him for Baltimore? Yeah. I mean, yeah. To, to, so watch when you're watching. Don't just focus on the skill players. Look at Davis. Um, there's a number of guys. Alabama has, I believe it's, it's Anderson. Is they got a great linebacker. I'm not saying his name. I'll, I'll correct myself. But anyway, it's a Heisman matchup too. I mean, there's three to four guys on both these rosters that could end up at a Heisman at a Heisman Trophy ceremony. So, I, I, yeah. But kind of a weirdly backdoor classic SEC. You think about like those LSU Alabama games that were nine to three. These defenses are both great. We are assuming the offenses might score, but what if they don't? What if this is an awesome defensive struggle? I'm I was going to say this. This could also scream that LSU Bama. Granted, it wasn't the SEC championship game, but it was like remember it was like nine six, maybe twelve nine. This could scream oh, one of my, that type of yes. game. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I just looked this up when uh, and Sue was a Heisman finalist. I thought he came in second place. He did not. He came in fourth. Mark Ingram won the Heisman. Colt McCoy and Damn Tim shame. Tebow were third and fifth, respectively. Do you know who came in second place? Oh, boy. Had to be a quarterback. It is not a quarterback. Right? It is not. Really? Was it a, run- it was a, it running, a running back? back? Is he in the NFL right now? Not right now. He had a very short NFL career. Injury-related or just doesn't good? 
Uh, wasn't good. This one was incredibly well, close. Co- Toby Gerhardt. Oh, I loved. I drafted Toby Gerhardt. Went to the Jags. I convinced was it the Jags? my dad. I think he was a Viking. No, maybe he, I think he was at one point, but he started, or maybe he got signed to the. Either way, he was a Jaguar. We took him in the second round of a fantasy draft, and I said, "This guy, I mean, he's just going to get because th- the Jacksonville is horrible. He's going to get thirty touches a game. They're just going to pound him into submission. Got to pound him, pound away with him all game." And Jacksonville was like, "He's going to be our guy." And I literally think he didn't score 10 fantasy points at, at all during the year. It was one of the worst picks I've ever made in my life. Still yeah. regret it to this day. Yeah, and my dad is. brings it up to this day that I made that pick. Uh, Papa D. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, there's our there's our Heisman flashback moment of the year. So, yeah, this, this game is going to be – it's either going to be an incredible defensive str- struggle or it's going to be high scoring. You know, and it's got to be one or the other. I hope it's not a blowout. If it is one way or the other, like if Georgia blows out Bama, I guess we saw what good defenses just do to this offense. The the Bama offense, we saw it last week with Auburn. We really saw it again with the A&M game. So, you know, and then it really just shows that Georgia's just really a leg up above so many other teams, including, uh, do we want to talk about the AAC before we get to the Big Ten? We should, right? We should talk about it. Ah, fine. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati yes. coming in. You, you would high praise for Houston. Tell me about Houston. Tell me why. Oh, tell did. me if they. Tell me how they can beat Cincinnati. Well, first of all, with Houston, this is a program that has been, honestly, like it's been good for a while. Uh, this is not a flash in the pan Houston team, and one of the reasons I I mentioned that is um, one of my favorite players. On the Eagles, who doesn't get enough opportunities, is Greg Ward, the former Houston Cougars quarterback and one-time Heisman, kind of a hopeful, if you will. But um, And they've had some other players. De'Eric King, the Miami guy who everyone thinks is good and hasn't been good for a while. But digress with all of that. Um, Houston's had a really good year. One loss team. They lost uh, to Texas Tech early in the year. by a couple scores, you know, it was a tight game. They, they, they've beaten some teams, but they've also struggled against some teams as well. So Clayton tune over 3000 yards, which is always impressive to see. Um, they're just, they're not particularly great at anything, which probably hurts them in this game. Um, they're, they're middle of the pack in points for middle of the pack in points against. So this is not necessarily a game where they, they have, but they have enough. They have enough talent on both sides of the ball. They could probably win either way. Uh, would probably would, to me would be the best way I would put that. Uh, but a good player um, and a good team, excuse me, um, and capable of upsetting uh, a Cincinnati team. But Cincinnati is ready because honestly, they're, they're they're having some close games again. I think probably helps them. Um, but look for Clayton Tune and, and and Nathaniel Dell, their their stud wide receiver over a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns. Look for them to try to connect a couple times. Um, and uh, see if they can upset uh, an excellent Cincinnati team. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think Cincinnati, you're right, is ready to go. They, I think at this point, just aren't fucking around. Their offense has been humming the last couple weeks. And I think it's just they want to prove that they deserve to be there, and rightfully so. Their defense can be a little suspect at times, which I think, to your point on the – But third but third, and, third and points against. I know they're playing yeah. in the AAC – but third in points against, and they play Notre Dame. That was a low-scoring match. That's if true. My memory serves me correct. That is very so, true. 
So we're going to have to see. I, I do that's think that's why. But that's why I think I struggle when people are like, Cincinnati doesn't deserve it. And I understand the argument, but this is not a run and gun Hawaii team of the RIP Colt Brennan era or a oh, little yeah, bit of the trickery Boise State teams we saw. But the reason I say it is like sometimes you're like all oh, these mid majors, all they do is they run a ridiculous spread offense, you know, and they just, they just, they score 70 points a game and they can't stop anybody. Cincinnati legitimately is a great defense. I understand your point. They've had a couple games recently where they've let up a lot of points, but they, they, they can hold teams low and they can score with Desmond Ritter. Uh, you know, no, I think they're, I think they're perfectly ready offensively. And I think defensively, I was just trying to find some sort of, yeah, to it. I know. I know, I know yeah. Yeah. Like trying to find some hole to poke, but yeah, their offense, you're right with really a number of different weapons that they can just use to skin the cat at a thousand different ways. See what they end up doing. They, you know, they dismantled an SMU team. Remember, we thought that was going to be the matchup, mm-hmm. and they dismantled them, forty-eight fourteen. And by the way, before you discredit SMU, Sonny Dykes, their coach, was so good. TCU just hired him to replace the all-time legend Gary Patterson. Yeah. So no, no, no I wasn't trying to dis- was SMU. I'm no, saying no, no, that I'm SMU just, was a really good I'm team. I'm not saying that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that to the the audience. No, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, also, we have a little update. I just saw a report that Notre Dame is expected to name defensive coordinator Mark, Marcus Freeman as Brian Kelly's replacement. So there you go. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. good choice. There you go. Uh, I so, think that makes sense for Notre Dame. Make because they already have. They're not. They're not in a rebuild, right? No. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. No, it makes yep. total so sense. Uh, yeah. So that that's the AAC. We already talked about the ACC, Maddie. We referenced it a couple times. Michigan throttling Ohio State last Sunday. They play Iowa. They're a ten and a half point favorite in the Big Ten championship game in Indy, Saturday night at eight PM. Tell me what to expect out of this one. Well, two teams that are not playing spread offenses, if you will, right? Oh. So a little bit of an old school matchup here, I think, for both. Um, I would expect a tight one, gonna be honest. Kirk Ferentz, one of the most consistent and, 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 and a great, but one of the most consistent coaches in college football. I know they've had a couple losses that you don't expect, but you know he's going to bring a well-coached, well-talented team to the ball game in this one. Um, and really, they're, they're you know one of the serious. They're a good team playing for nothing. So they you know they they were up to number two in the country at one point um, with their massive win earlier this year over well they beat they to be Penn State you know they they they're a good football team and so they're playing for nothing if you will so they're just out here to, hey can we upset Michigan Michigan comes off a really emotional victory after eight years against Ohio State no, it's a whole decade I think the one whole de- it was 2011 uh, it was eight in a row they lost they did not well, play last year because of COVID yeah was it not was it nine was it I thought they lost eight in a row and they won the last year, the last time they won was in 2011, when Ohio State had all the scandal stuff because of the Terrell Pryor getting the tattoos and Jim Trestle got fired. Right. With Brady Hoke. Yeah. That was the last time they won. Yeah. And then it was and eight Denar losses Robinson. in a row, and they didn't play last year. Correct. Right. So, I, I, again, I think the one positive for Michigan is their consistency on offense. When you are a great running team like they are, you're more consi- – it's harder to have dud games – as opposed to a passing team where a lot of things rely on rhythm, timing, your quarterback and receivers being on the same page. So I think they have an opportunity to to beat back a 
a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a letdown game. I do think the other thing is obviously they want this that pass rush. Those two are just oh, they're good. Oh yeah, uh, you know that they, they, it's hard sometimes to get, especially with Ohio State spread offense to get pressure quick. But they did it, um, and so. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll be close just because Kirk Ferris teams rarely get super blown out. But I, I do think Michigan can and will get it done at yeah, the end of the day. I agree. I think they get it done. To your point on Iowa, aside from their game against Maryland and the loss at Purdue, actually losses at Purdue and Wisconsin, pretty much every other game is a one-possession game. And the Purdue right. loss and the Wisconsin loss were both just the – Iowa offense not taking care of the ball. They did that against Penn State. You can make the arguments about, you know, Penn State's quarterback got Clifford hurt and all that hurt, stuff. Right. Which is a big deal, but still. It's a big deal. Yeah. But still, their defense got it done. Their offense played well enough to get it done. They took care of the ball. They ran the ball really well. It's going to be really interesting to see them go against, you just mentioned it, the Michigan defensive line, see what ends up happening there. This is a team that's only scored 300 points in 12 games, which – Granted, Michigan's led up to over 200, so is Iowa. But there's a little bit of a difference of what Michigan was able to do last week. Granted, it's a cold game, so slowing down C.J. Stroud in you know in a snowy weather might have something to do with that. But then on the flip side of the ball, seeing if Iowa can stop the run, Hassan Haskins completely just railroading over the Ohio State Buckeyes last week. Their defense... Really didn't have an answer for him. And at times with McNamara and the other quarterback, the one that comes in and runs it, but then had the sweet pass. Um, McCaffrey, yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, both of them having great games. Just the, the mix that came in there and Michigan really getting, they stuck with their guns of, and they used this so many different times throughout the broadcast, whether it was the, whether it was uh, Gus Johnson or the, the crew inside the, uh, the halftime crew with Brady Quinn and all those dudes that kept saying, this is the classic Jim Harbaugh that we saw with Toby Gerhardt. And then when he was in the NFL and all that stuff, you know, if they can keep that identity, this is going to be a tough stop for Iowa to get it done. And, you know, I don't want to sound incredibly biased. I do think it's probably a closer game because Iowa likes to keep these games close and their offense has played from behind before something that's on your criteria of that. And as, done very well so playing it that way so i'm gonna be really interested i'm obviously gonna be watching the game but i'm gonna be really interested in seeing how this game goes but the running back situation is gonna be trying to slow down haskins is gonna be a big question mark for me granted they came back and won against nebraska last week when they absolutely had to so they're not completely out of it by any stretch of the imagination big 12 champion or big 10 championship game always a great game and it's a great way to put a bow on the weekend, or at least Saturday. Obviously, we have the NFL the next day. No, I agree. And and by the way, I just want to make sure for those who haven't seen the ridiculous statistic, if you're the Big Ten, watch out for Nebraska. Yes, next year, they lost nine games by, what, a single possession, I think I read. Yes, that's exactly so what it was. They, they're, they're closer, which is why Scott Frost gets his job, than people think at being not back. I'm not going to Texas this, okay? Nebraska but, but scored the a, most points in the Big Ten West and finished with a positive point differential. And they went 1-8 yep, and and in the division. Yep, which is just conference. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think this is 
this is to me Jim Harbaugh's moment. Um, and I, I know he knows this, right? But like, this is such a big game for him to say, to, to earn the fact that he came back, obviously took a pay cut, you know, looked like he might lose his job after the COVID situation and was struggling before that. Um, but this is really his moment. And it's kind of a moment for a little bit, if you will, of old school college football. Yes. A run heavy matchup. So, yeah, it's like I said, I, I'm with you. I think it's a fascinating matchup. I'm excited to see it. But I, I am a little nervous just because, again, I would rather play, I almost rather play Wisconsin just because the Kirk Ferentz coach, coach team, you know, it's like going up against Bill Belichick. Even when they were down last year, you were like, you were always a little uneasy that, hey, Bill might figure something out. Yeah. So we will have to see how this all goes. And, and obviously, like I said, it's just a perfect way to wrap up championship weekend. We'll get the college football playoff rankings going right into the NFL. And before we hop into the NFL, Matt, any last thoughts on college? Any other coaching thoughts you have? Any other matchups, players you want to look out for? No, I, I think we, we, we covered a lot. What a great year. Oh, yeah. It's been love that the – I mean, college football, you know they're loving the chaos. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, you have to. But, no, I, I – uh, no, I think we – yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's go over What's to the up? NFL. And it's week 13. The last time we were here was with Sean in week nine, four weeks ago. I did not – I have not caught up on what those records were. But, Matt, before we jump into picks, let's talk about the birds. It's been an interesting month. Eagles have since gone 2-2 two and two since the last time we've convened. They'd won two convincing games in a row and have a letdown game against the G-Men on Sunday. Jalen Hurts, obviously, bad game. Bad game, really – all around from a number of different players, really outside of like Alex Singleton and Derek Barnett, really just not well played, poor execution, strange play calls, weird defensive schemes. What did you see out of this game and going into the Eagles this week against the Jets? It's the Jets, but also the Jets have beaten some good teams in the NFL. What did you see out of the game and what do you want the Eagles to do going into week 13? Yeah, so before the game, it's funny. I texted our buddy Logan and I said, I'm ready to be hurt again. Yep. Right before the game was kicking off. And um, and then about halfway through during the struggles, I said, Ertz, uh, Ertz again. Yeah. So I think we saw, well, I think what we're seeing this season is is essentially the, well, I, I'm not saying I'm not willing to give him another year, but I think we're kind of seeing what you're going to get from Jalen Ertz, Jalen Hurts. It's not always going to be that consistent performance we've seen over the, the path that kind of the previous, I would say previous three weeks, but in particular the last two wins, you know, you're seeing some of the deficiencies that he can have at times, whether it's poor reads um, when he cannot run, which is a huge deal, right? When he struggles to run the football, that's his rhythm. That's what makes him good is this combination of handoff read options. And then these, these passes. He, I hate to say this. He, he's got to stop throwing the ball down the field. Um, I know that sounds – he just doesn't have – unless the guy is wide open, he just simply doesn't have the accurate touch downfield that I think you need. I, I'm not saying you should never throw it, but it just – some of these deep balls, they're, they're dangerous, especially because you've got a receiving core that's built – that's undersized and fast. 
right? I'm not a Jalen Rieger guy. I'm not even going to talk about what happened there. But he is not a jump ball guy. You know, Quez Watkins, not a jump ball guy. Devonta Smith is, in my mind, more of a jump ball guy, even though his frame doesn't show it. But I think there's better ways to utilize him than some of these jump balls. The problem is, if you're, if you're throwing a ball to a Jalen Rieger or Quez Watkins, they cannot, they they are not going to be able to come back for the football. So I, I get a little in depth there only because I keep seeing, and I, I appreciate it because some quarterbacks refuse to ever throw it past ten yards, and that's their downfall. But I'm, you know, to me, I'd rather see him work on a short and intermediate passing game and work off of that as opposed to some of these deep shots helps the defense. They can grind it out with the run. I mean, just thinking out loud, but um, I think it shows the importance of balance in the NFL too, though, right? They struggled they were throwing the ball so much. They started running it. It was a bummer Jordan Howard was out because I feel like he really had found that role again. Um, I think that was a bigger loss than we realized too. And we're still not using an offense specifically. We'll talk defense in a second. I'll let you give, give your off synopsis as well, but we are still not using Dallas Goddard well enough in my mind. Oh, I totally agree on the Dallas Goddard point. I thought he was going to have a huge game. I thought that was a clear opportunity to really get the job going and really get the offense moving, especially when they were struggling, right? Of you, for whatever reason, can't figure out how to use Miles Sanders properly Obviously, Jason Kelsey getting hurt. I said this in the Instagram recap I did. That really hurt. Yeah, you obviously can't control that. And Herbig with the two big penalties, especially the Boston Mm -hmm. Scott touchdown that got called back. And maybe if you have the lead going into the second half, maybe it's uh, you know, maybe you're you're calling that game a little differently. Your offense with Kelsey back in it can feel a little more confident running the ball and just draining the clock and kind of you know refining what you did two weeks ago against the Saints. And, or I guess the previous week against the Saints. And, you know, going that way, but, you know, if so facto, a lot of people were really critical on the call to go for it with eight seconds left at the end of the first half. I didn't hate it, but if you're Jalen Hurts, you got to be smarter with the football, and you need to know as soon yep. as the play's broken up, throw it through the back of the end zone. And mm-hmm. he instead tried to force it. And even if the even if it went incomplete, he'd have a, the, the Eagles would have had a second to set up the field goal. But you got to realize that right away. Like that's what makes so many of these game managers. You know, you called Peyton Manning the sheriff, and all these different guys that knew how to control games. They knew that right away. They had the reads. They immediately saw it, and you know they immediately got you know made the decision. And he, at times, just sits there and doesn't make the decision right away, which it sometimes helps. He turns a broken play into a scramble where he gets five or six yards and. It's all good and dandy. You have a shorter third down. It's one thing the Eagles had a lot better than the Giants had. It's why the game was so close, is that the Eagles kept having like third and four, third and three, third and one, and the Giants, their average third down was like eight yards because, you know, of various different things, and we can talk about the defense in a second. But I don't know. The Jordan Howard points are really is really good one because the run game, it's been better, and they've been so run heavy, and Sirianni's figured that out. But, like, they just – there's still something missing there. They're just not utilizing everything perfectly, not even perfectly, efficiently. And it's frustrating to see. Yeah, too, too much has to be perfect. That's the other thing I yeah, look at, right? Point. Like things have yeah. to work perfectly. Um, I do want to state this defense, and I know it was against the Giants, and they, they objectively are not a great offensive team, even with all the weapons, which I think is a direct – Direct correlation to Daniel Jones, a little bit the offensive line, but this Eagles defense has really picked up recently. You know, you get Fletcher Cox starting to dominate a little bit, whatever's going on early in the season. Javon Hargrave, you're seeing a little more from Sweat 
and Derek Barnett, which is really important on the outsides. I think that's a huge positive. Um, the release of Eric Wilson has kind of unleashed the young linebackers. To me, I, I want to see more. Um, I know Davion Taylor's injured. Uh, Bradley, I want to see the young guys out there flying around. Today's NFL, you've got to be quick at linebacker or else you're screwed. And then obviously Darius Slay and Avante Maddox, too, stepping up big time. The defense is in a great spot going into this Jets game against a Jets offense that's really struggled. Um, doesn't have any playmakers as opposed to the Giants, who at least have names, right? You yeah. think of Kenny Galladay. Kenny Saquon Galladay Barkley, had a great game against the Eagles. He did. So, you know, and, and I do think this Jets defense, I don't think the Giants defense was that good. Is that good? This Jets defense is worse in my mind. So I don't have as much concern. I always will have concern. It's the Eagles. I don't have as much concern in this particular game, though, coming off of a disappointing performance last week, unless Jalen Hurts' ankle injury is worse than he's letting on. That would be my one yeah, that's kind of injury concern. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a concern. Uh, you know, I haven't read too much if Gardner Minshew's getting mixing in and taking first first team reps. I feel like we'd hear more about that if Jalen Hurts was really banged up enough that he could potentially miss time or if they wanted to make sure they had that going, but you know, we'll have to see. It's going to be interesting. Obviously it's the Jets, so you're optimistic of what the team can possibly do, but we'll see. You know, the Jets beat the Titans earlier this year and they right. beat the Bengals. No, I know. Both teams who have looked very good recently. Obviously the Bengals had some struggles, but bounced back very well against the Steelers last week and really reestablished their offense as one of the more fun young gun offenses in the NFL. Yeah, um, must win for the Eagles, by the way. Oh, the playoff yeah. hopes already Absolutely. took a hit. And it you starts know, especially with, with – well, I was going to say the fact that the Cowboys play on Thursday night again, which I think is the biggest load of bullshit. I've probably said this before on this post-Thanksgiving preview, uh, that the Cowboys, obviously they play on Thanksgiving every year, but then they get the fucking uh, – they get the next Thursday night game. So they get a full week. I guess instead of getting – 10 days they only get seven but i think the thing is just bullshit that they like fulfill their thursday night football requirement of having to play one thursday night football game a year of where they get a full week of rest instead of how every yeah, other team point. in the nfl gets four days they get it and obviously the saints played on thanksgiving too so it's not like the saints are in some sort of disadvantage to the cowboys but it's just stupid that you know granted they played on thanksgiving so they had the short week of rest so like i get that but like come on yeah, I don't want to see him play anyway. I hate him. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's that's a huge game. But the point to the Eagles is that you're going to know if the Cowboys have won or lost. And, you know, granted, like, if the Eagles had won, they'd be in the – they'd be the seven seed. The Washington football team is currently that after they won on Monday Night Football. So, like, it's not like you need to keep pace necessarily with the Cowboys. But, like, having the division as the second bullet in the chamber – is always a pretty nice one because I alluded to it before when we were talking about college coaches. The NFC playoff picture is completely jammed up. And, you know, obviously there's the extra game this year, so that helps. But, I mean, so many different teams being just right around 500. Both, the AFC has a few of them as well. But in the NFC particularly, and they're all beating each other. You know, the Eagles beat the, the Falcons. Uh, and the, I think the Giants beat the Falcons. The Falcons have beaten some other teams. Like, all these different wins and losses that have happened here and there. The Saints are 5-6. and six, The Eagles beat them. But the Saints also beat the Buccaneers. And all this crazy shit. The NFL is in a really good spot of parity. When we thought 
going into this year when we were doing our preview, kind of trying to figure out who was going to be where. And we were, we had some differing opinions, but we kind of thought some teams were really going to suck. And it's really been the opposite of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point too, and like some, some of these extra games that you know, I think the Falcons are not a very good football team, but they played some crappy football teams. Yeah. That matters. Um, I'm not a believer in Washington. I think they, they caught the Seahawks who are obviously not that great. Um, I'm not nearly as worried about them. Uh, from the Eagles perspective, just the NFC playoff picture as a whole, I think the Rams and 49ers, two, two unfortunate division winners are going to have to play those teams and not be happy. In particular, the 49ers, they are just playing like we thought they would play. Yeah. So, but honestly, I, I still think the Eagles have a good opportunity with, with, with that seventh seed. Not that they can't get to the sixth seed, but I still think they've got a really good chance. I mean, t- again, who really – who scares you? The Vikings, to me, probably scare me the most. They've got a good offense. We've got a lot of offensive firepower. Falcons, I'm not very high on. Washington, I think we can beat. Saints, a little nervous. Taysom Hill, can he win them some games? Panthers have been a mess. So, Completely really, mess. to me, I mean, if this is – but this is why losing last week hurts so bad – because you'd be you'd be you'd be six and six, you'd uh, be the seventh and you'd have you'd be the seventh seed, and you say, okay, I can afford to drop that game against the Cowboys, and still probably make the playoffs. Not saying you can't make it at eight and seven. I'm sorry, ten. This would be yeah. ten and seven. Nine, uh, nine, nine and, and eight. Nine and nine and eight. Um, you can, but it's just going to be tougher. But again, to your point, these teams are going to beat each other up. Um, and Vikings lose Dalvin Cook, which is a big blow for them. Yep. I still think Alex Madison, Madison's okay. Um, the, the problem with to me with the Vikings is they go Lions and Steelers, both very winnable games. Bears, Bears, and they have they have the Rams and Packers, which could be losses, but they theoretically could win one, two, three, four of their last games. That's that's going to be tough. Um, you know, if they win four, they're going to have a really good shot. Yeah, I, I think the Falcons have a much more challenging road. They're playing some good AFC teams. But anyway, I, you know, I just uh, we hold our own destiny. To me, we hold our own destiny against the Redskins. That's that's critical to me. So you beat them twice, they're out. They're out. There's just no way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's fascinating. I I, I think it's going to be an. It's, to your point, it's awesome to see though, right? Having so many. Yeah, it's exciting to see, and I think we're going to have a much clearer idea by the time like we get to Christmas because the Eagles will play the football team a couple times. Uh, I think that giant second giants game is in between the two Washington football team games. We'll have a, we'll have a pretty and same thing with a lot of these other games. You were just saying of where some of these teams are going. The, the cannibalism will, will start taking effect. And yeah, it, there's something about it that they've backloaded specifically the NFC East schedule where the Washington football teams only played one division game. Cowboys and Eagles have played two. The Giants have played three. And the fact that there's so many on that backside, it kind of reminds me of the year the Giants went 3-0. and They played three divisional games. They played all three, the Cowboys football team and the Eagles early and won all three of those games. But then at the end of the season, they had to go through the gauntlet, I think, on the road and lost all of them. And I think the Eagles ended up might have ended up winning the division. But I just remember them making a big deal that the – Giants were three and zero in the division, and you know the six games matter. And the it sounds crazy because now it's six of seventeen instead of six of sixteen, but those games like really do make all the difference, even just for the wild card. So it's 
it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, not to say that the AFC isn't fun either. There's plenty of teams that are right there. The Cleveland Browns are a half a game out of the playoffs right now. They're the 12th seed in the AFC. And the Dolphins are a game and a half. Yeah, I'm doing that math right. And they're the 13th seed. So, you know, it's just not, it's two less teams are right there because the Jets, Texans, and Jaguars are all uh, jockeying for what seems to be the number two pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. Let's get into picks. Let's do some picks quick, you know? Yeah, let's, let's do some let's picks. Done. Let's wrap this up with rapid fire picks. Yeah, we're going to go rapid fire. So, I don't know. Who, actually, you picked second the last time we did this a few weeks back. So, I guess I lead off in in looking okay. here. Uh, so, we... Well, right, because Sean went first. Yeah, because Sean went first. I had the three pick. So, I'm looking at this. We'll start with, with, football, or with the NFL. Our five picks there, then the one college pick. And I'm going to go with a game that you just alluded to the one team in it, the Seattle Seahawks hosting the San Francisco 49ers. And I know the 49ers offense without Debo Samuel has been suspect and Debo Samuel not playing. He's, he was a force on the ground for them last week. So now you're really wondering how well is Eli Mitchell going to be used this week and you're seeing what happens with it. It's a three and a half point spread. The Seattle Seahawks, though, look like an absolute mess. So I'm going to take the 49ers here. This is a divisional game, which makes me want to say take the Seahawks. But they've been such a mess that I cannot trust that offense to try to keep this game close. I know without Debo Samuel, it's a real question of what the 49ers are going to do. But that offense is a complete mess. The defense really had a hard time stopping the the Washington football team from marching down the field last week. And there's something weird going on with Russell Wilson. His offensive line sucks. He can't hit his receivers. I don't know if he's just done. There was a weird succession video a couple weeks ago. Take the 49ers minus three and a half here. I think it's a, I think it's a good, a good take. Um, even without Debo, that defense is good. You know, Mitchell, yeah. Elijah Mitchell showed a lot of promise. Uh, George Kittle continues to come back from his injury, so I still think that's a great pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to um, so you get a road a road. Here. Oh, you I get two. Let's yeah. go. All right, we're jumping to a road. We're gonna start Thursday night. I'm gonna take a spooky. All right, Saints okay. Cowboys. I do think the Cowboys win. I think the Saints cover though. Okay, that four and a half point spread. Taysom Hill comes in at quarterback. So now the Saint, the Cowboys need to prepare differently than they would if it was Trevor Simeon. I think Hill infuses a little bit of gusto to the offense. If Alvin Kamara can go, it's a big deal. Very good Saints defense um, with an Amari Cooper who's been struggling with injuries. Zeke Elliott struggling with injuries. CeeDee Lamb, I don't know if he's back or not. Michael Gallup still returning from injuries. So I think they keep this game close at home. You know, I think it's a field goal or less, and, and I'm taking the Saints to cover in the tight one. I don't hate place. that, and it's mainly because of the the wide receiver injuries and where they've been. I mean, Dak obviously has, has had a pretty good season, but you saw it last week. Doesn't have CeeDee Lamb, doesn't have a number of different guys, no Cooper, Gallup banged up, and just struggles to, like, really keep the ball moving. And I, I think the Cowboys win this game. I think Zeke is due for, like, a three-touchdown game. He's seeing different guys, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, having a, you know, just complete breakout, off-to-the-races types of games. And he's thinking, why the fuck am I not doing this? 
So this could be that game, right? You always see it with, with high-profile names on Thursday Night Football. There used to be the Maurice Jones-Drew special when, when the Jaguars played the Titans on Thursday Night Football. He'd take off, you know, 10 years ago when he was still good and still in the league. I don't know. I I do like it to be close, though. It's Thursday Night Football. The games are always wacky. So I like that pick a lot. Yeah, for my second game, I'm going to stay in the NFC. I'm going to take the Cardinals coming off a bye. They head to Arizona. They head to the Chicago. Only eight-point favorites. Um they should be getting healthier, right? So we should see DeAndre Hopkins back. We should see Kyler Murray back. The Bears, no Khalil Mack, struggling offensively. Allen Robinson is in witness protection. Um, Cardinals defense standing up even without J.J. Watt. So I'd like them to cover. I know it's a pretty big spread, but i like them to cover. i like a 14 to 17-point victory. The Cardinals need this victory. It sounds so weird because they are 8-2. 9-2. Nine Nine and two, but people still don't think the Cardinals are legit. And one of the reasons, excuse me, I, I little burp there. One of the reasons, uh, Yingling's going down nice. There you go. Um, one, one of the reasons, th- they need to show people that they're a good team. So they're still proving to people, even at nine and two, I think there are still skeptics out there that, hey, you know, is this team not as good as their record? This is a game to prove it. Hey, let's go out and beat a bad football team and show people we are, you know, we are as good as that record. So I think it's a big game for the Cardinals, kind of a statement game. Um, a little bit like Cincinnati's been dealing with. They need to go out and win big, in my mind here, and I think they do. No, I like that take, and I think the Bears' offense is a complete mess. We saw them struggle right. against the Lions last week. I, I like that take a lot. I am next, and I forgot they lost to the Giants, so I was about to say they were going to go 4-0 and against the NFC East, but I am taking the Las Vegas Raiders here against the Washington football team. I think the football team... We mentioned it. Seahawks not looking very good. Really played incredibly well on Monday Night Football, marching the ball up and down the field. Their defense, though, at times did keep that Seattle team in the game and really made it pretty exciting towards the end, and then Seattle just kind of threw up on themselves. I like this this Raiders offense, which I know since the Henry Ruggs stuff and all that different, you know, all the weird juju that's happened surrounding them, has uh you know they've been up and down they've had kind of a weird few weeks since beating the Eagles they lose to the Giants in New York they get killed by the Chiefs they get killed by the the Bengals both at home but they go out they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in a thriller where their offense needed to put up a ton of points and they did and I think I I don't know if the Washington football team has the firepower to try to go into a track meet like that, like the Cowboys could. So I like the Raiders here to really kind of stick it to the football team who's starting to try to starting to feel themselves a little bit and I think are trying to get excited. I don't know if Taylor Heineke's ready for the Vegas defense. That can be frisky at times. I like the Raiders here. It's a two and a half point spread, which I feel like is kind of a rat line at home, meaning that all you need is that little last second field goal to win it. But I'm going to take it two and a half points. Lock it in for me. I think, I think it's interesting commentary with the Raiders have still been able to sustain offense, losing Henry Ruggs with all the situations they've had there. You know, Darren Waller, if he can be healthy at all, and just play is a big yeah. deal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I like it, though. I, I think it's a smart pick, and I think, to your point, sometimes you got to pick a team that's kind of riding a high like Washington is. They're going to come down. 
So it's back to you. It is. Yep. Intriguing games. So I'm going to pick a team that is on a high. Cincinnati Bengals at home. They smacked. Oh, I like this pick. Uh, the Steelers last week. Well, I don't know. You don't know which way I'm going yet. Okay. I'm a big look. The Bengals, I've bought in. Okay. Yeah, they got a lot of firepower like offensively. They've had some good defense. But but we go back to the beginning of the season, Jordy. And I told you I loved the Chargers. I did. You did. They have an offense. They have Mike Williams and, and, and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Uh, uh, Justin Herbert, I think, is still a step above right now. Right now, Joe Burrow. And I like this Chargers defense, Joey Boza, Derwin James. I am going to take the Chargers on the road. It's a really – they need this. The Chargers are scuffling a tad. Chiefs are rising. The Chargers need this in my mind. I like the Chargers to to extinguish the Bengals a little bit here and win a road game that they really need to win. So I am going to take the Chargers. It's a little bit of a risk, but I'm taking the Chargers. They're a three-point underdog, and I'm going to take them on this one. I like that, actually. I thought you were going with the Bengals. Okay. I would have really liked it. But I don't I don't hate the take. I think Justin Herbert, he's had a couple yes. really good games that I feel like have just been masked because the Chargers have struggled to win football games. But he's played incredibly well. I do think now that the, the Bengals have found themselves a little bit that we're going to potentially see – a return to form as they've they've played well the last couple weeks obviously putting up 73 points and only allowing 23 is you know it's pretty good but also this is a team that did lose to the Jets this is a team that struggled against a Cleveland Browns team that really for the last month and a half while Baker Mayfield's been dealing with all sorts of injuries we had no idea what the hell they were they were offensively and they let up 41 points so this is something that, that when a good offense comes in that they could really take over and, and or their defense might struggle. I think the big thing in this, Cincinnati takes care of the ball. They don't turn it over a ton. And they love to win the time of possession battle. Something that the Chargers have a more run-and-gun offense. But I think they they had a letdown game against the, the Broncos. They kind of need something big here. Yeah, I, I don't hate the pick. So it's back to me. It's a tough one. It's yeah, a tough it's definitely one. A tough yeah, go ahead. One. It's back to me, and I was about to go for the a back-to-back NFC East blowout. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do it. The Giants, obviously we just talked about it, had a really good game blowing out the Eagles, or beating the Eagles, not blowing them out. But now they go on the road to Miami, noted tough place to play, Tom, one of Tom Brady's least favorites in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. The Dolphins, who have started to get a little frisky, over the last couple not weeks. Happy, not happy about that, Jordy. Hurting our draft stock. It's Go hurting on. the Eagles draft stock, but they've won four in a row. They looked very good last week against the Panthers. Tua and Jalen Waddell, that connection, starting to really get it going. And you're right, it's hurting the Eagles draft stock, but who the fuck knows what's going to happen with it. It might be better that it's not a top pick with Howie and all that bullshit. But anyway... I like the the Giants offense. We talked about it a little bit that Daniel Jones really like he's not really getting it done. And the Miami defense is playing a lot better. They take care of not good quarterbacks. And I like the, the Dolphins here to cover the four point spread 
against the Giants, and I think it could be way higher than that. I'm kind of surprised it's not. I guess probably because the Giants are coming off a win, and maybe a lot of New Yorkers are putting money in onto this to keep the the lines lower. But I'm kind of surprised it's not a higher line. So I'm going to take the Dolphins here minus four. Yeah, interesting. You're right. The Dolphins are playing better. I hate it. Hurts the Eagles. We're seeing Tua settle in with some decent playmakers. Jalen Waddle has emerged. We thought that defense was going to be better, and they are. They are. Yeah, they're playing better know, as of recent. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. Right, they've got a couple guys that I like, and they've certainly, yeah, to your point, they've improved. And and man, you want to talk about backing your way into a victory? I mean, I personally, if you if you just watch that game and don't have a scoreboard, Eagles Giants, I think you think the Eagles win the game. Yeah, I think you can make a legitimate argument that they were the better team for most of that game and just shot themselves in both feet and ankle and obviously in Jalen Rieger's hands. So he's going to catch those balls, but the bricks, yeah, no, I think it's good. Yeah. All right. So I got two more, correct? Yeah. You got two more. But we're not, still all, not, we're not back to alternating here. Wanna, yeah. Just want to make sure I know where I lie. Whew. I'm going to do something that I don't do a lot. I have a feeling I know what this is. <sighs> go ahead. Hottest team in the NFL. Ooh. Arguably. It's the New England Patriots, eight and four. Yep. Um, uh, really balanced offensive here. attack. Thought you were going Led here. by a, a, a big smash mouth running game. You know, defense playing otherworldly. The one thing we haven't seen is Mac Jones, during this winning streak, have to really make plays to come back um, and have to throw the ball outside of the established run-pass balanced offense, even run-heavy at times. So as good as this defense is, they're visiting the Bills. This, in my mind, even without Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform, is like the Bills Super Bowl. Bills Mafia, this place is going to be rowdy on Monday. It's a great Monday night game. This place is going to be rowdy on Monday night. I am going to take the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> That's what I thought you were doing. At, at home. Two and a half point line, as close as you're going to get to a pick them. I'm going to take the Bills in this one. I think it's a, it's like, for honestly, it's going to sound weird. It's kind of like a must win for the Bills to say, hey, we are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. They lose to the Pats at home on Monday night. It's a bad look. Um, Josh Allen with zero running game, just dropped Zach Moss in the league, sees it active again. Um, Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, Emmanuel Sanders, they're going to figure this out. And I think they're going to put Mac Jones in a position where he has to go win it with his arm. And I'm not saying I'm not sold on Mac Jones. I don't know if they have the weapons or if he's fully ready to be the, 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 the guy in a needed two-minute drill. So at the moment, I'm taking the Bills to, to, to cover the two-and-a-half-point spread. I like that a lot. I, For one, I got invited to go to this game. Uh, and I could, and I could not go because uh, of a certain party that's next Friday night. Um, <laughs> but the I also would have had to buy tickets and drive to Buffalo, which I love Buffalo. But having that and then having to drive to Lancaster next Thursday would uh, be a little too much traveling. And I well, really this sounds like you're slandering Buffalo at that con, but it's fine. Go ahead. No, no, no. Driving Just Buffalo is great. It's like a seven hour drive, though. It's not easy to get up there. Uh, actually, it is. Re- you're right. It is relatively easy. It's like five turns. Well, it's easy. It's just long. It's, it's just, just long. long. Right. But regardless, I, to that point, I, because of how great the city of Buffalo has been to me, I was very biased on that of loving the bills in this game. And because I almost went up, I'm, I'm going to bet on that of the bills minus three on Monday night. 
and hope for the best. I think their defense, though, to go on the other side, you're right, that they're going to force Mac Jones to be the guy and make plays that we've started to see out of him over the last couple weeks, and he's looked very good, and he's starting to use those names in New England that we've heard about for so many years that have had good games here and there, but have like, you know, and they've had shown flashes in the pan. Like Jacoby Myers had a really good week last week, and he's had a couple really good games. I think this is a real opportunity, not just for Josh Allen to put himself back onto a you know top-tier quarterback type of thing, but for this defense that we had such high hopes for going into this year thinking that was where their bread and butter was coming from, not just the Allen to Diggs connection, but the defense being a big part of it. And I, you know, it's number one versus number two in terms of points against. So it's really like, what, you know, what am I actually saying here? But like letting up 41 a couple weeks ago, Jonathan Taylor's big day against, against the Colts. You know, obviously they had the statement win on Thanksgiving. They completely annihilated the Jets, but they lost the Jaguars. Real offensive dud there. So we need to see against a quality team like the Patriots, you just mentioned the hottest team in football, of what they're going to do. And I do think this is going to be not as high scoring, which is the only thing yeah. that might go. And it's over 43. So, like, the NFL, Vegas knows it's not going to be high scoring. But, like, this is going to be something where it's almost going to be a war of attrition. And I think Josh Allen, simply just on the fact that he's been in the league longer, is going to take care of the football better than Mac Jones probably will. And that's a, a little better. That's a loaded agree. statement to say because it's a Bill Belichick team. <laughs> Yep. But that's that's where I'm coming at. Yeah, I, I um the other thing too is Bills do lose their you know, super corner Davis White. Of all the games to lose him though, the game before you play a team without a true number one, which the Patriots don't have, they've got some good receivers, probably the best time to do it. So yeah. I'll just I'll be blunt. I think I think this I think this is a good week for this Bills defense, even without their star corner. Because it's not like they're going up against, you know, a, a you know, trying to think of, you know, Devontae Adams type player. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Uh, all right. So it comes back to me. And now we're getting into some of the uh, older real, games here. Yeah. Real crazy spreads. All right. So hmm. let's take a look. I am going to go to. I'm going to go to Sunday Night Football. Chiefs hosting the Denver Broncos. The Chiefs over the last couple weeks have really started to get it going. Obviously, the offense has looked a lot better. Patrick Mahomes really not making as many mistakes as he has over the last couple weeks. They were off last week, so they are coming out of a bye. They had that incredible game against the Raiders. We talked about it a little while ago. But their defense has really yes, come sir. into form. Yes, <laughs> sir. Yeah. A defense that we thought, you know, the last time we were doing this show had some problems. And the they went from letting 17 up against the Giants, 27 against the, the Tennessee Titans the week before, to 7 against the Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers, 14 with Vegas, and then 9 with the Cowboys. And this defense is getting better and better. It's starting to, to really come into form. It's a 10-point spread, but really, and I know the Broncos just had a real emotional win over the Chargers, really took care of them there. 
that really seems to be more on the defense having a really good day against Justin Herbert and like setting up Teddy Bridgewater for success. But like, look at what they did against the Eagles where granted the Eagles defense played really well that day. But I think the chiefs defense is maybe like a half a step better than the Eagles defense. And Denver's going on the road where their last road game was in Dallas where they won. You know, Cowboys, what are you doing? Losing a game to the Broncos on the road. Regardless, yep. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm posturing. Enjoy, enjoy yourself. I get it. I am. But the I think the Chiefs are starting. This is like the the Brady year where Trent Dilfer, when they were at the Chiefs, called the called Brady and Belichick dead. This kind of seems like we were too quick to pull the trigger on like. What, did Mac- did Mahomes come out of the gate too hot in his career? I like him to cover the ten and ha- the ten point spread here, and really take care of business. I don't think Denver has much of a of a shot of really keeping it close. I know it's Sunday night football. I know it's a divisional game, but I like the Chiefs to really make a statement on national television to say we are back. You have to deal with us. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. Chris Jones. Difference maker for the Chiefs on defense has been an absolute game changer for them on the defensive line. Andy Reid coming out of a bye. He's an all-timer. Yes, that right? too. You know, I completely forgot about that. All-timer yes. out of his Eagles, from his Eagles days. So, yeah, and, and to your point, less mistakes offensively. You know, they'll find ways to keep these guys involved. The, the Tyree kills, the, the Travis Kelseys. They're probably running a tad better. Not great, but Andy Reid's never had – all, never had consistently great running teams. That's fine. So I think they'll still make it work. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm ex- uh, I'm excited to. Uh, I never thought the Chiefs were dead. I know I get your point, people. When I get it, Patrick Mahomes, I get it. But this is still a really talented Chiefs team. They're exactly. they're they're going to be just fine. And the AFC is definitely on notice. Totally agree. So what do you got for your last NFL pick? Well, it's the 300th podcast. I can't, in good faith, end the 300th podcast if I do not do what I do every week. And that is pick our Philadelphia Eagles. There it is. To get to right the ship against the lowly Jets. I only know a few Jet fans. They are all loyal to a fault. Maybe loyal to not a fault. It's pretty impressive to be that bad this many years. But I'm going to stop slitting the Jets. Um, I just think the Eagles, you know, kind of figured out that they're not as good as they thought they were necessarily. And what I mean by that is they can't just skate through games, right? They're not the Chiefs. Um, I think they come to play. I, I think they, they beat a bad Jets team who, you know, has had a couple up and down plays. But Zach Wilson, if he's playing, you know, is just not there yet. Whether that's permanent or not, I don't know. He is a rookie. I do try to remember that. But I like the Eagles. It's an eight-point eight, eight point game, correct? Uh, I have it as minus seven for the Eagles. Minus seven. Okay. I think the Eagles yeah, I think that I think they cover that, to be honest. I I think they ground pound the Jets who just don't have the defensive talent anymore to really make a name. Like like Jets of old. I think they will one day, but not right now. So I, I like the I like the Eagles to cover to uh to end my my five picks uh this year. I like that a lot. This this podcast, sorry. You knew uh, I was going there. You know I didn't I didn't Oh yeah, I knew you were going there. I knew it was I, that's why I avoided it. Uh all right, so I'm gonna go to a game that should be good for Eagles draft status. That is the Indianapolis Colts going to Houston to play the Texans. Colts are a eight and a half point favorite in Houston and just came off of an emotional loss 
Carson Wentz going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, obviously Len- Leonard Fournette. I almost call him Lenny. The old Joe Buck playoff <laughs> Lenny. He was incredible in that game, and that's really the difference maker there of why the Colts ended up losing. You know, and, and Gronk had a huge game, and, and really Tom Brady just just being Tom Brady and, and being an expert there. The Colts in this game, let's talk about them for a minute, though. Carson Wentz, obviously, the snap track is on the right, or the snap count is on the right track. And they have done a great job of, A, controlling the ball. Jonathan Taylor, we mentioned it, said it a few different times. Had an incredible game a few weeks ago. He's still been great. He still is doing stuff that was expected of him out of college. And is being that, you know, bowling ball that, it seems like Carson Wentz likes out of the pro-style offense. Michael Pittman's really coming into form. I think that's huge that, that Carson gets a target there. Carson's been pretty good. He's thrown for over 300 yards in the last few games. Getting the snaps, good for the Eagles. I think that and their defense being very good in a Houston team whose offense ranks in the 30s, if not 32nd, in every major <laughs> offensive category... Yeah. is a recipe, which granted, divisional game, always a little closer than you think. But the Texans at this point, I you, you got to think that they just start, and granted, their defense has, has also played very well, which is why I think Jonathan Taylor and really Nikeem, or is it Nikeem, Noah Himes? Whatever Himes' first name is. Something. Nyam Himes. Nyam. Nyam Himes, thank you. Yeah, mispronunciation. It just... I know from fantasy, uh, <laughs> but to that point, a guy who, even if Taylor's getting targeted or if he gets overused, Hines can come in, be a excellent piece to use. Sometimes Vulture's TDs from Jonathan Taylor. I think the running game ends up being the difference here, and I don't see where the, the Jets running game really gets it going against this Colts team. I like the Colts to cover it. I know it's eight and a half points. I hate spreads more than a touchdown. That's really what we're working with in for the rest of the NFL spread, or rest of the NFL <laughs> spreads. So I'm going to take the Colts here, and I just th- I think Houston at some point has to roll over and t- start taking their lumps for the you know trying to get something in terms of the NFL draft. And I feel like this is probably when that starts happening. Great pick. I'm very happy about it. It's fun to. It's fun. I mean, you know, I'm a oh, huge guy. Favorites. Ew. Ugh. There you go. It's fun to root for Carson for me, and I do hope the Colts win. And this Texans team, after that weird positive, right, one positive game against the Titans, are back to where we thought they'd be. But, hey, I know we didn't talk about the Titans. The Colts, the the Texans, we know the Titans were classic. We talked about divisional games, how nervous they make us. Yep. It's a great example right there. So, yep. Another one that I almost went, I almost took Detroit plus seven because of Dalvin. I looked at that for a while. And I just – the what's his face the 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 backup quarterback for the lions he is so bad that game the bears lions game was just like it looked like two teams just punching each other in the face and the bears thankfully won that that would have been just a classic way for detroit to get their first win or a second tie that would have been even funnier if there was a tie on thanksgiving but i don't know that game is like i feel like that's going to be like the lost game that you sneak in and see like fucking Adam Thielen got a touchdown at some point for like on red zone. Like, and then that's like the one look in and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
David Blau is horrible. Anyway. Which I, the other game we didn't talk about, the Rams hosting the Jaguars, minus 13. I don't totally trust it just because the Rams have played so piss poor the last couple weeks. With Matthew Stafford throwing pick sixes in what, three games in a row? But it's also the Jaguars. Where like What are they actually doing there? Uh, Baltimore-Pittsburgh should hopefully be a good Baltimore game. The Steelers are completely washed, but... We'll have to see what their defense does yeah. against Lamar. And I think that's it. I think those are all the games. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, we didn't talk about Tampa Tampa versus Atlanta. Um, yeah, Atlanta, I don't know, they're frisky, but I, I mean, Tampa just offensively is Tampa purring. Base. And their Tampa defense Bay's is going to win. Yeah, and their defense is just that fucking good. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that that is – now that is it for the rest of the slate. Um but Maddie, any last thoughts? You know, wrapping up episode three hundred. Any favorite memories you have before we uh, send everybody on their way? Uh, great, great, great to be with you for a solid amount of the three hundred. Oh, yeah. Exciting to do three hundred more. Oh yeah. Continue the great work, my friend. Oh yeah. And I uh, can't wait to chat with you again about football and and all the all the, the co-hosts and guests you bring on. It's been it's been it's been fun to chat with a lot of them and. Uh, Looking forward to seeing some of the additional content you continue to put out, whether it be baseball, basketball, golf. You know, I do, I know I do some of that with you, but I know Greg is on with you a bunch. It's awesome to see, and we'll continue to add and uh, and grow. So it's been oh, yeah. it's been a blast. I love talking football with G Man. So oh, yeah. any day of the week, you know that we'll be talking next weekend a ton. Quick plug for everybody: his second marriage, but it still doesn't even have a divorce. Really excited <laughs> to celebrate you and your way smarter Sixers fan wife. Yeah. Who uh, she's recording me. her Sixers podcast right now. Shout out to, uh, to them. Yeah. It's probably not a great podcast. Yeah. They either, Sixers lose to, uh, outside. <sighs> hey, the best Phillies news, they did sign a reliever today, but the best Phillies news is that we might delay the bullpen suck. Although they did sign Nebel. Nebel's going to be a good signing, but the, uh, yeah. major league <laughs> baseball set to go to a lockout in about an hour and a half. <laughs> Which, we'll get uh, that. Let me let me tell you the best thing going on in Florida right now. It's the Philadelphia Union. Yeah, Union the Eastern Conference teams. Final, baby. Let's, Let's go. go. I'm very excited to go see to the game. Can, uh, we were looking at tickets. That's a great. Uh, uh, well, yeah, it's awesome. Very happy to see a team that I think has been kind of middle of the road for a number of years had some rough go, but it's good to see them uh, having a great season and hopefully they can continue their 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 run. But yeah, like I said, man, it's been a pleasure and uh, and uh, can't wait for the 301. Oh yeah. Well, obviously, I appreciate you hopping on. I know uh, originally we were going to do just baseball, and then obviously football season came around, and you gladly took up that mantle of being the the football voice. And to Greg, who's uh, working, making sure the city of Boston has an economy, he uh, (laughs) obviously has done a ton, and I appreciate him, everybody else that's hopped on, whether it was a guest spot of a co-host or if you're just coming on to do picks or whatever. Mark, obviously, with the hockey podcast and, and everything. Thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Uh, for those of you that do, Matt, I'm adopting the moniker, the, bed, the best podcast you don't listen to for, <laughs> for the, all the rest of the, 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 the nation out there. But seriously, from the bottom of my heart, to everybody that listens to this, I really appreciate it. And, you know, we don't do it to try to get a million listeners. We do it really just so that we can shoot the shit, have an excuse to talk, although Matt and I see each other. A good amount. We uh, 
always love doing this, and we love your feedback and everything there. So let us know what you think. Like Matt said, excited to do 300 more of these. And, yeah, that's really going to do it. And we will talk to you next week before the wedding. And hopefully the Eagles win. It's the fucking Jets. They better win. Hopefully the Cowboys lose on Thursday night. Who knows? It's Thursday night football. Anything can happen. And that's really about it. So for my man, Matty D, I am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend, everybody. And fly, Eagles, fly!